You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, church, for joining us in worship this morning. Thank you so much for being part of the body of believers. We're in a series uh, where we've been talking about making space. We're making space for Jesus. We're making space to hear from him, to to speak with him. We're making space uh, to see him in the midst of trials. And as we continue doing that, we, we wanted to make sure that in some capacity, we actually just took time to do it to do it. Meaning, Christianity, for the most part, has struggled a bit with prayerlessness in recent decades. They, Christians, and again, this is just a generalization, it doesn't include everyone, it doesn't include necessarily you, but the body of believers has been struggling with lack of prayer, whether it's because of distractions, whether it's because of those distractions in the form of social media, TV, just overall busyness. We need to make prayer a priority. We want to make that space. And to do so, we kind of have to develop a rhythm. We have to build a rhythm of abiding in God. Today, what I'll be doing with you is not a sermon, We're not going to get theologically deep. I've been telling some of the fellow leaders that today we're doing a workshop. And so that's why you've gotten a few pieces of paper. Um, I'm going to briefly, to start our workshop, at least lay a small scriptural foundation. We're not going to spend a lot of time in it. Um, But I want us to have an idea of why we should make space in our daily lives for abiding, for spending time in communion with God. And so we're going to kick it off uh, with John 15. So I want you to, whether it's your Bible app or whether it's your physical Bible, or if you don't have it, don't worry, it'll be on the screen, but we're going to turn to John 15, verses 4 through 5, where Jesus is telling his disciples to abide in him, to stay in him, to remain in that presence. That that requires investment. So verse 4 reads, Jesus speaking again to his disciples, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, at least at that point, the primary uh, immediate application is that Jesus is speaking of following his, his, his teachings, right? His teachings, his way of the kingdom. He's talking about, look, for you to live the kingdom life, You're not going to be able to unless you cultivate remaining in me, abiding in me. But it goes beyond just like doing the kingdom work. It also 
pertains to your well-being. A few verses later, in verse 11, John 15, Jesus says, after he finishes this, uh, this abide in me bit, he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The reality is that without a pattern of abiding, listen, you will drown. Without a pattern of abiding, you will drown. Whether, whether that's, you know, through anxiety or joylessness or fruitlessness, you will drown. Now, I'm not saying prayer is the solve all of the kingdom of God. It is an essential component, much like being gathered here today we are the church, the body of believers, us together in, in, in connecting uh, the body parts, so to speak, in Paul's analogy. We are all individual members of one body of God. But that's another way. Therapy is another way, right? God provided therapy is another way for us to not feel like we're drowning. But it starts with abiding in him. We have to cultivate a pattern of abiding, a God-centered rhythm. That means that, as I shared not too long ago, you don't make space for God in your life. Rather, you build your life in God. And you, the, the space is for everything else to fit within the context of what you do in your discipleship of God. And that requires work. That requires commitment. So today, we're going to workshop this. We're asking ourselves, what does our God-centered rhythm look like? Rhythm, perfect analogy from music. The point being is sometimes you don't hear a note extended the whole time, but in music there's pauses, right? And so you'll hit, hit a note, you stop, you hit a note. Sometimes you extend that note. Sometimes the note is shorter without using too much fancy musical lingo. But there's got to be a rhythm. This has to be continuous, periodic let me not use math terms either. <laughs> Forget that. It's got to be something that we consistently revisit. There you go. No music, no math. My apologies. <laughs> so to do that, I want us to hear from three of our own in our congregation, three of our own that have developed a God-centered rhythm. I want, us, I want them to share with us what does their rhythm look like. Because here's the thing. Your rhythm doesn't need to look like theirs. But sometimes we're stuck in a box that either some church or some people have placed into our minds regarding praying and abiding in God. You can get creative. I mean, Jackie Hill Perry, uh, one of my favorite speakers and authors, she talks about, it sounds weird, but she says, listen, I've got kids, I've got a husband, I pray in the shower, and it's, one, and it's where I have my best prayers, she says. Jackie Hill Perry, amazing. If you haven't checked her out, you should. But I want to invite first uh, Taylor. Taylor, come on up. Let's give it up for Taylor. Taylor, you can use that mic, and you can either sit on the stool or you can stand on the podium. Uh, come on up. And really simple question. I mean, we're going to hear from three different people today, and it's just one question. So here it is. What does your rhythm look like? And maybe why have you built it that way? 
Okay, so um, my rhythm is kind of that cliche, I get up in the morning and I have my time with God. So um, there's a couple reasons why that's my rhythm. One, I am a morning person. Um, so it does just sort of fit with my natural like way that I do life. Um, but the other thing is that I don't always want to get up at 5.30 or 5.45 in the morning, even to speak to anybody, even God. So um, the, the big thing is that I've disciplined myself to do that because we have to have discipline in our lives. Um, and the thing that I have learned is that what I'm looking for is not checking something off a box. Like, I, I have mornings where I struggle to get up, and there's mornings where I don't do it. But what I've really been learning is that what I want is intimacy with God, and that requires frequent conversation. So in order for me to build the intimacy with God that I am desiring in my life, I have to get up and talk to him every day. So that, that early morning really works for me. I have my coffee, I sit in my chair, and I, I read the scripture, and I pray. And the other like element that I do that has been really, really helpful for me is I've really practiced listening. And so you might think, because I'm a therapist, I'm good at that, but I still have to practice listening to God. So um, when I want to hear from him, and I want to be sure I know his voice, I have to know who he is and know what he's likely to say. And so what I do is I will set a timer on my phone. That way my mind isn't spinning about how long has it been? How long has it been? How long has it been? So I'll set maybe, you know, five minutes and I'll just try to clear my mind and just write down what comes into my head. And then I'll check that against scripture, against things that God's told other people in my life and, and really evaluate. And then if he's telling me the same thing over and over again, okay, God, I'm, I'm listening, I'm hearing it, this is your message. So it's really about the discipline of getting up in the morning, spending that time with God, and then really just practicing listening to his voice so that I recognize it when I hear it. So, Taylor, that's awesome. Let me ask you just one follow-up question before I let you go. I mean, how much time, if, if you were to measure it on average, because there's no right? There's, there, I know there's preachers that say, if you don't spend one hour a day praying, if you don't spend 30 minutes, there's no right time. But how much does it usually take you in the mornings for that time, including that time where you set the timer itself to listen? Yeah, so it's usually about a half hour in the morning. Um, so, and then I also have a lot of time in the car, so I'm also able to like follow up a little bit later in the morning on my way to work. Um, so yeah, but my, the time that I set aside really intentionally in the morning is usually about a half an hour. Perfect. All right. Let's thank Taylor. Thank you so much. All right. Next, my main man, Caleb, come on up, bro. Let's give it up for Caleb. Caleb, Caleb is the leader of the men's group. Go ahead, Caleb. I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, you can sit or you can stand. You don't have to, you know, whatever you want to do. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> so tell us, what is your God-centered rhythm? What does it look like? I want to start by saying uh, I feel completely unqualified to talk about this. 35 of the 36 years of my life, praying was like, I'm talking to the wall. I'm talking to the ceiling. I'm talking to myself. Why am I doing this? Um, I get lost. I think about other things. So but what really changed was last year around this time, we did the six-week prayer challenge. And I said, I'm going to commit to this, and I'm going to do it. And, uh, you know, the first couple of weeks, I'm like, all right, I'm just doing this thing. But God started to bear fruit in my life. And so I would say, if you've had trouble, just keep plowing the field, keep watering it, tend to it, um, and God will bear fruit for you. So my rhythm, um, 
I realized that uh, I try to be very practical with it. So I realized in the morning my alarm would go off. I'd grab my phone. I look at it, and then maybe, well, let me just see what happened overnight at work. I support a 24-7 operation. So what happened that I need to deal with and be prepared for uh, today? And a lot of times, like, you don't need a problem first thing in the morning, right? So I get up, and I'm thinking about work problems, and then I start dealing with my family as if they're my work problem, right? So I don't like that. That's not good. The other thing was, oh, well, maybe let me look at Instagram, some brightly colored pictures of a faraway place or some new exercise routine or a motivational quote. And then I deal with my family and I see the things around me as the things that I don't have, not the things that I do have. And so the men's uh, group was going through Proverbs and I said, let me switch my, my routines around. So my phone would go off and I had to discipline myself to say, I'm going to read a chapter of Proverbs. I'm going to pick one thing and I'm going to try to... Um, Get out of bed and pray that God will help me with that. A huge one for me is like, hey, fools love to give full vent to their anger. Fools hate to understand. They want to give their own opinion. And so I would wake up and I'd say, all right, God, today help me not give full vent to my anger or help me to seek to understand instead of to be understood. And so then I start dealing with my family in that way, little by little. Um, and so that was a big thing for me. And then I try to hold on to it throughout the day. I'll give one other thing. Um, you know, I'm not a therapist, but I work in HR, and so oftentimes I have meetings where I'm dealing with interpersonal conflict. Sometimes I say that's my full-time job. And uh, I've placed an item in my office that only I can see that reminds me that um, the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth should be pleasing to the Lord. And so before a meeting that I know is going to be tough or afterwards, I'll pray that simple prayer. Lord, help me to... Uh, to have my heart be pleasing to you and the words in my mouth be pleasing to you. So those are my, my rhythms that um, over the last year have really borne a lot of fruit in my life. That is awesome. Could you share with us, you said that you kind of try to hold on to those throughout the day. What does that look like? I, it's, it's, it was, it's been a process for me. So like I said, like, you know, if you're trying to grow something, if you're a gardener, you plant the seed and you're like watching it, waiting for something to happen. It's like, it doesn't work that way. You water it and you wait, and you water it, and you wait, and you pull the weeds out around it, and you wait. And so for me, it's, it's been this process of learning to try to continuously do that, um, where I'm like, the anxiety, the fruitlessness in my life, the bitterness in my life, I'm in a storm, and I try to hold on to that life raft of God and say, like, okay, I'm holding on to you. I'm trying to abide in you. Help me to do that. That's so good. Thank you once again, Caleb. Um. Then our third interviewee, uh, come on up, Teresa. Teresa leads the women's group, right? Come. Yes. And I, I forgot to mention, Taylor does something that's behind the scenes. If you're drinking coffee this morning, that's her. So give it up for her. Shout out to service that's not seen. <laughs> All right, Teresa. Um, Hello. There you are. So, Teresa, tell us, what does your God-centered rhythm look like? So, my God-centered rhythm, it starts from the moment I wake up. Um, when I get out of bed, uh, get ready for the shower, I throw on worship music. Um, the enemy is at attack right away in my mind. So, uh, I listen to worship music. I get my heart right with God, praying in the shower, um, continue worship, Lectio 365 is a great devotional in the morning. Get your heart right and praying for whatever the matter is and whatnot. So um, and then uh, just kind of keep my mind there, worshiping, worshiping. And uh, praise God for AirPods. I put my AirPod in and I keep worshiping while I'm waking up the kid to get ready for school, 
dealing with him, teenagers, sometimes he'd throw me out of my space there with God, but it's a constant just staying with him, wanting his presence with me, um, talking with him, praying with him, just reminding that he's my friend and he's walking with me through this life. Um, me and him, we've been walking about 19 years, and when I gave my life, I told him, you need to show me, you need to show me, because I have no idea how to do this life. So um, he's been showing me every day. That's awesome, Teresa. Quick question, quick follow-up. Do you, um, I know sometimes in the past you've done maybe journaling, oh, you've done... I do uh, a lot of reading. Yeah, you, do, do you read a lot of, of books. I'm constantly in a Bible study. Like, I have to stay connected because I know myself. Right. <laughs> and uh, if I'm not connected to him, I always said I, I need to be as addicted to him that I was to other things. So I, um, so I keep my heart there. And um, so, yeah, so constant reading, constant thinking, constant wanting to learn, wanting to go deeper, even though sometimes I don't really want to move deeper because he's telling <laughs> me to go. And I'm yeah. like, no. But, um, yeah, just constantly just walking with him. I mean, God has given us tools in this life, and one of the things is our armor. And I really, really strive every day to try to protect myself with my armor make sure you throw that armor on. Again, I said the enemy works in my head, so I have to make sure my helmet is on. I have to make sure my shield of faith is there. Like, I have to remind myself of all of our elements of our armor because that is what gets me through my day. Without that, the enemy sneaks in. And then, yeah, it just it becomes a mess if I allow him to keep going. Well, thank you for sharing, Teresa, for your vulnerability. Let's give it up for Teresa and some more time. I mean, and here's the thing. We didn't select them because they're like the super Christians. We didn't select them because they have it figured out. No, we selected them because them, like me, like you, we are figuring it out, right? And Caleb used that analogy, right? You're still gardening. So we're still figuring this out. But intentionality and making a commitment, though you sometimes may not live up to your commitment, but trying to stay on target, that's key. That makes all the difference in the world. Now, because we're talking about having a God-centered rhythm today, a pattern of abiding Today, we're going to take a moment to ask ourselves what that looks like for us, and if we don't have one, to cultivate one, to also maybe even cultivate our own little liturgy, as we've called it before, but maybe a prayer that you have written somewhere that you gravitate to consistently. Now, to talk about that, I think it's important for us to listen to Jesus when the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? And so in Matthew 6, the famous Lord's Prayer, Jesus prays through what we now call the Lord's Prayer. Now, here's the thing. Before he said the Lord's Prayer, in that chapter, Jesus is talking about, listen, don't, don't repeat empty phrases. So if you're going to have a liturgy, if you're going to have something written down that you go to consistently, don't just read mindlessly through it. See, repetition is not bad. We've, we've kind of, as evangelicals, uh, you know, and I'm not saying everyone here is evangelical, but if, you, if you've been in those circles, evangelical circles tend to, you know, throw liturgy out the window. It's like repetition is not good. Well, empty repetition is not good. But having something to fall back on when you're lacking the words to pray, that's good. 
if you make the words your own and you invest your heart. So what we're actually going to learn from Jesus here is maybe a layout of how he builds the Lord's Prayer and what are the priorities behind it. So Matthew 6, verse 9, it should be on the screen if you don't have it, uh, if you don't have a Bible app or a Bible with you. Jesus says to the disciples, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have, excuse me, as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation or as Paul sometimes says, great trial or lead us into trial, but deliver us from evil. And then some of the newer manuscripts, not the, 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 the oldest ones, have in this part, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Anglican brothers and sisters, they still repeat this part. So do our Catholic brothers and sisters. They say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's not blasphemous. It just might have not been in the original gospel. And so that's why some of your Bibles include it. Some of your Bibles don't, just so you know. Um, and quick note on the Paul thing. The reason Paul rightly so says trial is because the Greek word for temptation is technically a neutral word. It's a trial. And so what English translators have often done is that depending on the context, they'll switch out trial for temptation if it's a trial that the enemy is using you to make you sin. But God takes those same trials anyway, and he uses them for our sanctification. So it's kind of a neutral word in a sense. Uh, but most translations, unfortunately, say temptation there. Um, now, again, you can repeat this and make this prayer your own. But if you're interested in building your own prayer, there's at least four movements. There's at least four different movements in this prayer. The first is awe-filled worship. Awe-filled worship. What's awe? It's like, wow, wow, awe-filled worship. This, I love this short sentence, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, because it ties the two things that are, that dichotomy about God that's so good to us. He is that much holier than we are, that much more separate than us in how distinct he is from us. He is so different than me. He is so holy. I am not, and yet he's intimate. Our Father, hallowed be our Father, the intimacy that we gain access through the completed work of Christ, the Messiah that had been promised to bring us back into that Eden, the Father speaks to us. We are intimate in our relationship with the Father, yet he is so holy. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. If you're going to write your own prayer, when you write this part, make it your own. Why is it that you love God? What has God done for you? Whether it's restoration, whether it is forgiveness of sins, all those are true and good. Whether it's the peace that surpasses understanding, whatever it is, what is it that is so amazing? Fixate on that. Awe-filled worship, not repetition of words, but dive into why he is hallowed by you. Why do you hallow his name? The second thing that this prayer teaches us, you should pray for the renewal of the world. 
you should pray for the renewal of the world. Since we left the Garden of Eden, the whole point is to bring back heaven on earth. We often forget about that and we stick to these apocalyptic imagery of like, it's all going to be, no, actually, it's all going to be phenomenal. And we're going to resurrect. We're not going to live floating like angels in heaven. That's one part. Then Jesus comes back and then that's eternity. Heaven on earth. You will have bodies. You will walk on earth. So we pray now, even though the kingdom is here, it is still coming. It's like when a theme park partially opens and you see all these rides that are still not open, but it's there, but it's kind of not there. So that's the way the kingdom is here. Jesus says the kingdom is here, but yet, yet we're supposed to pray, may your kingdom come. Because the movers are still coming in. <laughs> They're still coming in, and we're trying to get as much people to buy into this way of life that is that much more better, joyful, and fruitful. So we should pray for the renewal of the world. Now, one thing that I love that N.T. Wright says is that when you pray your kingdom come, your will be done, you're not just praying worldwide. You're praying for the kingdom to come and your will be done into your heart. So go macro to micro. Pray for the renewal of the world, and that starts with you. Pray for the renewal of the world and start with you. The third thing that this prayer teaches us is dependence. When, when, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, of course, we're asking for provision of basic needs. But we're also, if, if we've been meditating on the full account of the Gospels, we know that Jesus calls himself the bread of life. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we want his word to feed us. For those yearns in the soul that can't be satisfied by physical food, that can't be satisfied by material gains, we need that promise, that living word of God that promises life abundant. So we depend on God for physical but also spiritual feeding, for basic needs but for our spiritual needs. And then the last movement, repentance and action repentance and action, recognizing that we are still works in progress. Though Christ doesn't require us to be perfect to be his disciple, he wants us as a student disciple to continue to grow to be more like him. He's our sensei. And students don't stop at just whatever belt and they get stuck on that. They keep trying to go up to be more like their sensei. That's what a disciple is. So repentance and action, recognizing there's always something I can repent on. And understanding that repentance is a beautiful thing, not a condemning thing. Remember, I, I know I repeat this a lot, but Jesus told us that the Father is looking for the, at the horizon for your return. Like, it's, repentance is not a bad thing. It's when the Father is like, I've been waiting Arms wide, oh my gosh, creed, no, no, not arms wide open, sorry. I just transported to 1999 immediately. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Repentance and action. You need to repent, but you need to, to prayfully think about your actions. And that means 
saying, yes, I forgive, but also, can I forgive others? As I am forgiven, my repentance leads to action. How am I dealing with conflict in my life? And lead us not into trial or temptation. Deliver us from evil. Listen, you're praying for action. Spirit-infused action when you say, lead us not into trial. Deliver us from evil. Being able to find that way out that we're promised in the New Testament when we're tempted, God provides a way out. That's the Holy Spirit working in us. But it's, it's a spirit-infused action. So our repentance should lead to action. I'm going to call Jess up uh, to, to play a little bit of music for us, but this is the part that's a workshop. Now it's your turn. And so we have two exercises today, and there's no pressure. I'm not collecting these and grading. I know I'm a math professor, but I'm not going to grade you. This is for you, right? This is for you. We want, look, if you have a God-centered rhythm, expound it a little more here in this paper. Or think about what you can tweak to make it more of an abiding mentality. Something that you heard, I think almost the three of them say, is that they need to stay connected throughout the day. Did you notice that it's not just about checking the box in the morning? Abiding requires staying in touch. It's like when you're texting with your spouse, Throughout the day, the conversation continues even though you're not necessarily talking with them for two hours while you work, but you're texting and you're staying in touch. So we need to abide throughout the day. Let's build little rhythms. Maybe it's a prayer that you can have right before you go to lunch or right as you're coming back from lunch. Maybe there's a little, a little corner, a quiet place you can find at work or at school where you can... Three minutes, two minutes, center yourself in Jesus. So the instructions for the first part are as follows. In the first box below in your paper, draft a rhythm plan that centers your life around dwelling with God. And listen, you can be unorthodox, right? You heard Teresa, and I used Jackie Hill Perry as an example. They pray in the shower. Uh, I think Taylor mentioned praying in the car. I know various of us have talked about that on your commute. Let me turn off NPR. Or let me turn off whatever radio station I'm listening to. And let me just dive into God right now in the quiet drive. So get creative. Be unorthodox. So as Jess starts playing now, let's, let's take a moment. I'm going to leave you a few minutes to think about this.
Finishing those up, something Pastor Jason just shared with me uh, that's really good from Pete Gregg, one of the uh, founders of Lectio 365 and of the 24-7 prayer movement. He says, when you're crafting your quiet time, keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. part. If you're already done with your your rhythm, simple, real, but consistent prayer rhythm, in the second box, maybe you can write a prayer of your own. Something like the Lord's Prayer. It doesn't have to be long, just a few sentences. But it can be that thing that you turn to when you are struggling to find the words. When you're struggling to just pray. You don't feel like praying. You can turn to that. On the second side of the sheet, you're going to find ideas of passages that could help you for each of the four movements we described. Awe-filled worship, renewal of the world, dependence, and repentance in action. You're going to find passages there that are mostly from the book of Psalms, though there are a few exceptions. And they can inspire the poetry of your heart. You don't have to copy-paste them, but you can if you want to. Remember, the important thing is 
Don't read mindlessly, but make it your own in your heart. So go ahead, and if you can, craft a little poetry or a little bit of a, of a short prayer you can turn to consistently. of the worship team starts to come back up. Um, I don't have a fourth person, but if someone feels like, you know what, like I needed this and here's what I crafted in terms of a plan, or here's the little poetic prayer that I wrote, then I'd love to invite you up to share either the prayer that you've written or the plan that you've come up with. No pressure. If no one comes up, that's fine. Then we'll go on to the last song of the service. But if anyone feels like they would like to share it, then please go ahead and come on up. end this, I just want to remind you that remember, the point isn't to repeat mindlessly. And the point isn't to always do your God-centered rhythm perfectly. Some people need variety. Sometimes you can do something else. You don't have to do it every day. The important thing is to abide. So if sometimes you do something totally different, that's okay. You can turn to journaling, whereas maybe you weren't journaling. You could do the prayer car ride, or you could do a prayer walk, or you can sit in silence as you meditate on the love of God. 
and sit and just in silence let God cover you with that manifest love that you would feel that he loves you in spite of how you may feel unqualified. So keep it simple, keep it real, keep it consistent, keep it up. Let's pray. Father, we, we commit ourselves to you. We recommit ourselves to you. If, if, we, if we're right now in a season where prayer has been great, then we ask that we not take it for granted, that you would infuse it, reinfuse it with the meaning it's supposed to have, that we would abide. Maybe we have a rhythm, but we don't listen enough. Maybe we talk too much. Then infuse us with a spirit of listening, to be like Elijah who waits for the whisper. Or maybe we don't do enough of speaking sincerely to you. Maybe we try to sugarcoat our words with you and we forget that the psalmist consistently would pray frustrations as well and say, how long, God, do I have to endure this? Or where are you, God? Turn your face to me. Take your hand off of me. Like, I can't take all this pressure, this trial anymore. Whatever it is that we need to infuse our prayer life right now, whether we're in a good season or in a bad season, grant us that, Father. Inspire us. And if we've been struggling, Father, today's a day of celebration where we commit to a rhythm that doesn't have to be followed perfectly, but a rhythm that is all about our hearts and abiding in you, that your joy would be in us and that our joy would be full. We pray that our prayers would be less transactional and more relational, that we'd get you, that you would be the God of peace in our lives, giving us the peace, the restoration, the renewal, the forgiveness, all the good stuff, the good shepherd. So we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.